my name's Kirsty Wiebeck. Thank you for tuning into my podcast, The Best, where each episode I'll tackle a different topic or two and present to you the best of that or those topics. The only thing you need to remember is that what I say goes. I'll be presenting objective truths after much research and as such, no further correspondence will be entered into, okay? Now, by much research, I mean mostly anecdotal personal research, but it's also not to be taken for granted, okay? I appreciate your cooperation in this matter. Now, I decided to make the best podcast in response to the prevalence of listicles. Now, I don't want to know Drew Barrymore's top 37 movies she had supporting roles in. Like, I want to know the best one, right? Let's just cut to the chase. And just for the record, it's Donnie Darko. I find myself endlessly scrolling through lists, but I need more specific answers. So here I am giving those answers to you. I also love how much debate ensues whenever you make an assertion about the best of anything. Like it's one of my favorite things. Most of my mates and I, like we just shoot the breeze and don't get into anything too serious. But the second you assert what is the best of any single category, immediately they will be like, no, absolutely not. That is a hundred percent incorrect whether or not they actually firmly believe it and that's something that I really really like about sharing these sorts of objective truths or, or opinions for some people I can't think of one of my friends who doesn't immediately get involved when I say Taylor Hansen was the best Hansen brother like they would just kick off immediately and it's made culling friends easy too like anyone who says Isaac was better gets an instant block and report like they are out of there now for the first episode of the best podcast I'm throwing myself in the deep end by taking a look at the most important topic of all, dinosaurs. I figure if we start with the biggest issues, we can dial back from there and relax a bit as we progress through future episodes. Just to make sure we're all on the same page, dinosaurs, according to Wikipedia, are a diverse group of reptiles of the clade Dinosauria. Now, they first appeared during the Triassic period between 243 and 233.23 million years ago. That is such a long time ago. Like, my brain cannot even compute those figures. It should also be pointed out that the exact origin and timing of the evolution of dinosaurs is the subject of active research, which is also a sick job. Like, can you imagine your job, what you go and do 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, is just trying to work out what was up with dinosaurs? Amazing. I'm into it. Now, people have been fascinated by dinosaurs since the dawning of time. I think we can all agree. Well, since humans became a thing anyway. Like from the TV show, literally called Dinosaurs, to Jurassic Park, to Barney and Friends, and The Land Before Time. Oh, I am crying just thinking about The Land Before Time. But I think we can all agree we've been enjoying a healthy dose of dinosaurs in pop culture forever. Can we just get back to The Land Before Time, by the way? I just gave you an excellent self-isolation tip. Go back and watch The Land Before Time and get back to me if you make it through without sobbing. That's actually the only thing that I can remember about the show. Like, I remember cute little dinosaurs, but I also remember just weeping gently from the opening credits through to the closing credits. So get onto it. Let me know. Report back. Keen to hear if you are a braver soul than me. Now, like all creatures... Not all dinosaurs were created equally. Some of them were awesome and some of them were quite crap, okay? Now, I've chosen a handful of the finest dinosaurs to have a look at before we decide upon the best dinosaur. By we, I mean I, but I'm going to assume you agree with me because I'll be presenting an objective truth. Now, let's start with one of the most easily identifiable dinosaurs, 
the Diplodocus. Now, I just need a little bit of credit here because I repeatedly had to Google how to say Diplodocus, right? Like, I'm one of those people that put the emphasis in the wrong place in words that I don't know. For example, recently I got busted by my partner, Elle, who's a nurse, and some of her nursing colleagues for saying endocrinologist instead of endocrinologist right wrong emphasis look as long as you're getting the point across like now I'm getting defensive about the English language while sitting recording this podcast on my own in my apartment but they knew what I meant right anyway I digress the diplodocus not the diplodocus (laughs) don't get it wrong the diplodocus Okay, so it's one of those guys with the long neck and tail and the short stumpy legs, right? Now, I'm not body shaming the Diplodocus. In fact, we have very similar body shapes and I am quite at ease with how I look, okay? (laughs) Now, just to be clear, my neck and tail are probably more in proportion with the rest of me, but we definitely have the short leg thing going on. Very, very short legs. When I go for a walk with my girlfriend, she takes one step for like every three of mine, but I'm doing my best and that's all that matters. Now, the Diplodocus were herbivores, which is a massive win for me, right? Because I'm very conflict adverse. And like any animal that is into eating other animals is also into fighting with them to get them into a position where they can be munched on. I also don't like eating meat. So this herbivorous thing is a huge win for me. I'm wild about it. Like Diplodocus, you already get 400,000 points off me, okay? Now, I just said that I don't like eating meat. I'm totally cool if you're into it. I'm just not... So the Diplodocus is just already way up there on my list of dinosaurs. I just enjoy knowing that they swander around looking for delicious foliage rather than like hunting down smaller cute dinosaurs to munch on, you know? Like I just, I like that. Good on you, Diplodocus. Thanks for having a diet that I'm interested in. Now a fun fact about the Diplodocus is that at the start of the 20th century, industrialist Andrew Carnegie donated many skeletal casts of the dinosaur to rulers around the world. What a suck up. But that's what's led to it being a highly recognisable dinosaur. Okay, so Andrew Carnegie was essentially like the Diplodocus's biggest PR rep posthumously you know posthumously posthumously podcasts are so fun for realizing that you can't speak properly so good on you Andrew Carnegie I hope the Diplodocus appreciates how much work you did in bringing them to the forefront of recognizable dinosaurs you might not even realize it but you most probably visualize this dinosaur when you think of dinosaurs which is probably at least six times a day now they were about 12 meters long which is too long in my opinion They also weighed about 12 tonnes, which is about as much as a large truck, right? Now, that's also large enough that you would absolutely want to get out of their way as quickly as possible. Like, that is a hefty, hefty animal. It also had two rows of bones in its tail for greater support and mobility, right? And this is a feature that I personally would absolutely thoroughly enjoy in my own body. Without calling it too early, in summary, the Diplodocus was a ripper of a dinosaur, like an absolute ripper. Next up... Let's take a look at another gem of a dinosaur, the Brontosaurus. First and foremost, I'd like to bring it to your attention that its name comes from Greek and the direct translation is Thunder Lizard, which is the sickest name. I am Thunder Lizard. Like, if that were my name, like if I were a Brontosaurus, I would 100% be presenting myself as the English translation. Like Brontosaurus I think sounds quite nice, but don't you think that you'd be like, hey everyone, nice to meet you all, I'm a Thunder Lizard. Like... Oh, so into it. I love it. Good on you, Thunder Lizard. Immediately 20 million bonus points to the Brontosaurus for its name. That's it. The Brontosaurus is one, actually. The Thunder Lizard. The Thunder Lizard. 
the glory of the name. Right, that's the end of the podcast. It's a winner. No, I'm just kidding. Let's take a look at it. Let's take a look. Don't just relax. We're not we're not cutting it that short. That's ridiculous. All right. The Brontosaurus lived 157.3 million years ago. Oh, okay. So there's a another uh, range of dates. So 157.3 million to 145 million years ago right, which is around the same time I graduated from high school. The Brontosaurus has actually had a bit of drama going on, which I'm really thrilled to report about, right? In these social distancing, self-isolating times, anything which has a vague scandal around it is totally okay with me. It'll give me something to talk about for weeks. So here we go. I'm excited to present the Brontosaurus-related scandal to you. So what happened was the Brontosaurus was actually declassified as a dinosaur for a time. Like the scientific community believed that it was just a very large animal that had been accidentally labelled a dinosaur until 2005. No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. What really happened was the scientific community believed that the Brontosaurus was actually an incorrectly classified Apatosaurus. So they still believed it was a dinosaur. It's not like they were like, oh, that's not a dinosaur, that's a rat. They definitely thought it was a dinosaur, but they didn't think it deserved its own classification, that it was actually a different kind of Apatosaurus, Apatosaurus rather. dinosaur names are hard anyway scandal drama what happened was in 2005 some portuguese scientists presented a body of evidence that made them believe and the scientific community believe that the brontosaurus was actually a dinosaur in its own right so hooray welcome back brontosaurus like you're back baby and you're better than ever before it's so good it's so good to hear so to put the whole drama in simple terms it's actually like if scientists had decided i was just a bubbly overconfident Virgo rather than a Sagittarius before backflipping and realizing that I'm in fact a Sagittarius. Good on you Brontosaurus I'm just glad that you're being validated and seen for the true dinosaur that you are. Now the thing about the Brontosaurus is that they actually weren't dissimilar to the Diplodocus however the Diplodocus had a much longer tail and more slender neck. It was just like the streamlined version of the Brontosaurus. It was like when you go to the museum and they've got those mirrors that make you look really tall and narrow like the Diplodocus was that mirror version of the brontosaurus also the brontosaurus was believed to be a much heavier version good on it like you go brontosaurus you do your thing so the brontosaurus also sported the diplodocus's trademark short stumpy legs which again i'm all about and are also a very prominent feature on my own body and finally like a lot of dinosaurs it had a tiny brain i didn't realize this like researching this podcast made me realize that a lot of dinosaurs had tiny tiny brains now, it's believed the Brontosaurus's brain was no bigger than a tennis ball. Tennis balls are tiny. This is outrageous when you consider the size of the dinosaur. Now, like if we're talking in proportions, I'd imagine it's not dissimilar to if our brains were the size of a grain of rice. And again, I'm not size shaming the Brontosaurus's brain. I applaud it for managing to get stuff done despite having a tiny central processing unit. Like it's very, very inspiring. Good on you again, Brontosaurus. You're doing okay. So how's that? So far, two great dinosaurs down. Two wonderful dinosaurs stomping around in my podcast. I'm about to pivot wildly. All right, so the Brontosaurus and the Diplodocus were very similar dinosaurs, right? And both very excellent dinosaurs, but now I'm pivoting wildly to an entirely different dinosaur before I reveal to you which dinosaur is the best of all dinosaurs. I would like to talk to you briefly about the Triceratops. It's a ripper of a dinosaur. I'm sure you already know that. Triceratops also comes from Greek and means three-horned face, which was my nickname in high school. It absolutely wasn't. It definitely wasn't. But what a coincidence. 
The Triceratops was also a plant-loving herbivore. Hell yeah. A bit on the smaller side, they could grow to 8 metres in length. Still very long, right? Smaller size than uh, the previous two dinosaurs we were discussing, but still 8 metres, very significant. Definitely not a great size if they ever wanted a lift in my car. The Triceratops is very easily recognisable due to its large body, three horns, and the frill around its face. How cute is that? What a design feature. Now, it should be mentioned that the horns were used to protect itself from the T-Rex, which was one of the most evil dinosaurs getting around, with arms suspiciously similar in proportion to mine. Like, I had to cut my hair, my own hair last week, because obviously I can't attend a barber at the moment because we are self-isolating. And whilst cutting my hair, it became apparent very, very quickly exactly how short my arms are. So T-Rex, I'm there with you on that. Don't you even worry. Now to summarise the points that I've made about the Triceratops. Sorry to get all scientific, but the Triceratops was really cute, like adorable. Looking it up for this podcast has made me realise what a dreamboat they really were. And I actually feel a bit embarrassed that I haven't been focusing more attention on the glory of the Triceratops over the last few years. I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to upset them with those aggressive, horny faces, but I also absolutely appreciate their aesthetic. Absolute dreamboats. So I've presented three Ripper dinosaurs to you today with a view to revealing what the objective best one is, okay? And bearing in mind it's objective, this isn't opinion-based, I've, I've presented some facts, I've had a think about it, so I'm going to be providing you with an objective truth now. I should also quickly remind you that the fact other dinosaurs weren't showcased doesn't mean they're crap dinosaurs. It just means that objectively they had nothing special to bring to the table in terms of being a potential candidate for the best dinosaur, okay? So if you've got another dinosaur in mind, don't stress. I'm not saying, oh, your dinosaur's rubbish. I'm just saying it's not the best one. With all of that in mind, with positivity in our hearts and minds and a little like tingling of excitement, I would like to reveal to you that the best dinosaur is the Triceratops. Yeah! Go Triceratops! It's unique, it's incredibly aesthetically pleasing with its frill and horns and it's also herbivorous. Can you believe it? It was also a curvy dinosaur, which I am all about. So huge congratulations to the Triceratops. Good on you. Keep up the good work. I don't know if that's possible, but anyway, good on you. Now quickly, it wouldn't be right to address the best dinosaur without briefly mentioning the worst. It's the T-Rex. By a long shot. Now there are lots of shit dinosaurs, but the T-Rex had a reign of terror over the land. It was a vicious hunter and it was very crafty in its hunting abilities. I have absolutely no time for the T-Rex and I think most of you will agree with me. The T-Rex was definitely by far the crappest dinosaur. Now that concludes the most challenging and important category this podcast will probably ever see. But it's just nice to get the high stakes topics out of the way, you know. Now the second topic I'll be tackling on the first ever episode of the best podcast is also very, very important. Today I'll be taking a look at cheese. Now according to Wikipedia, cheese is a dairy product derived from milk that is produced in a wide range of flavours, textures and forms by coagulation of the milk protein casein. It comprises proteins and fat from milk, usually the milk of cows, buffalo, goats or sheep. Despite Wikipedia's best efforts to ruin our relationship with cheese by using the word coagulation, I think most of us can agree that a simpler definition would be cheese is the fucking best. Now I've gone through an extensive list of cheese varieties and I've selected the ones that are the best. 
let me be clear, the rest of them aren't terrible. Some of them are. In fact, at the end of this episode, I'll tell you which cheese is objectively the shittest cheese. Okay, let's wait and look at the glory of other cheeses before we get to that. Much like in the dinosaur category before, you can't possibly talk about the best category of cheese without briefly dabbling in what the shittest cheese is. So it'll just be a little tagline at the end so it doesn't take away from the glory of the best cheese. I'm not going to rave to you about Sporty Spice being the best Spice Girl without quickly mentioning that Posh Spice was the worst, am I? It just wouldn't make any sense. In contention for the title of best cheese, we have halloumi, camembert and blue cheese. Now, I need to quickly add another disclaimer. I know the addition of blue cheese will be quite contentious for some of you as it's possibly the most polarizing of the cheeses. If you don't like blue cheese, you're wrong and a baby. We get it. It's stinky, but that's all part of its glory. Anyone who doesn't like blue cheese isn't a true cheese fan. Like saying you love cheese but you hate blue cheese is an oxymoron. You can't be a true cheese lover while hating blue cheese. That's like saying you're a massive Schitt's Creek fan but you hate Moira. No, you're not a massive Schitt's Creek fan at all. She is the glue that holds the Rose family and the show together. If you don't get this reference, I am begging you to get involved in Schitt's Creek. It is the best TV show. There's no better time than now. Go, 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 go. Let me know how you go. Now, I'm going to walk you through the three contenders, starting with halloumi. Halloumi is a cheese renowned for being excellent grilled, fried or barbecued. According to the website, thespruceeats.com, halloumi is a Cypriot cheese traditionally made from goats and sheep's milk or a mixture of the two. Cow's milk is sometimes used. It's most appreciated as a grilling cheese because it maintains its shape when heated and it grills well. Right, this is correct. Grilled or fried, incredible. Halloumi is moderately high in fat and a good source of protein. It's rich in calcium and it's also a source of zinc, magnesium, vitamin A and B. Whoa! I think what we're trying to say is halloumi is a superfood and we should all be exclusively eating halloumi. Halloumi is often used as a substitute for meat on vegetarian burgers and quite frankly, it makes everything taste dramatically better, okay? That is an objective truth. It's also important to note that you can eat halloumi raw, although it tastes 75% shitter. That is my percentage addition, by the way. Um, That's not scientific. Uh, And I actually think I'm being quite generous. It's probably actually closer to 80 or 90% shitter. You wouldn't drink a cappuccino without the chocolate on top, so don't eat halloumi without it having been cooked, okay? It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And as a side note, you have no business ordering a cappuccino unless you're from Adelaide. I don't know why, but all people from Adelaide are obsessed with cappuccinos. It's a thing. Now, a fun fact about halloumi is that it's usually semicircular in shape and the size of a large wallet at around 220 to 270 grams. If you, like me, are questioning the validity of that being an actually fun fact, take it up with Kittle Encyclopedia, which is meant to be an online resource for children. I personally didn't find the fact all that fun, but I also appreciate that it would be hard to create a magical adventure around Cypriot cheese. Good on you for trying Kittle Encyclopedia. Onwards and upwards, on to camembert. I'm not going to lie, and this is going to ruffle a lot of feathers, I virtually tossed a coin to decide whether camembert or brie was going to get a Guernsey in this episode. I appreciate there may be some backlash, but I can't help feeling that they go together like Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. If you were asked to list the top three baby stars of the early 90s, you wouldn't waste two of the positions on the Olsen twins. You'd choose one. And that's what I've done. I've chosen camembert. I'm sorry to the Brie lovers. Again, I'm not saying Brie's shit. I'm just saying that there was absolutely no point in including both of them. Now, I've been banging on about Brie and camembert and how they're suspiciously similar for years. And it's never occurred to me to Google the difference. Never, ever. So here we go. 
I'm learning and so are you, unless of course you've been wise enough to take the initiative in the past and Google this yourself. One difference between brie and camembert is that during the cheese making process, cream is added to brie and not to camembert. Brie is 60% milk fat while camembert is only 45%. In short, camembert is a superfood. There are a bunch of other differences as well, okay? So that's not the only difference. Like camembert is supposed to be a bit on the funkier side and brie is meant to be whiter inside while camembert is on the yellower side. But I won't bore you with the details or you'll never be able to enjoy a cheese board again and that would be incredibly cruel. Now camembert is a cow's milk cheese like brie. It's also a ripper to have on a cheese board or in a sandwich. Baked camembert is so good it should be illegal. Am I right? Oh, sorry, just give me... All right, I'm good. Oh, baked camembert, outrageous. You can eat it on bread, crackers, or by itself. It's excellent with a bit of honey or quince paste. It's a quick, simple solution for a picnic when you have to take something to someone's house so you don't look like an absolute freeloading jerk. It's also easy to eat and not messy, which makes it an excellent idea as a snack on a date. No risk of having a chunk of camembert clinging desperately to your face while you try to lure your new love interest under your spell. Perfect. All in all, camembert is an absolute ripper of a cheese. And finally, let's have a look at blue cheese. All right, I'm going to run you through it quickly just in case it upsets some of you, some of you fake cheese lovers. According to Wikipedia, blue cheese or bleu cheese is cheese made with cultures of the mild penicillium, not to be confused with penicillin. I need to be very clear here, you should not use blue cheese to treat bacterial infections. Stilton will not clear up your bronchitis. The penicillium mold is responsible for giving it blue spots or veins. This carries a distinct smell, either from that or various specially cultivated bacteria. Wow, what a sentence. They've really, really taken down the fourth wall in cheese making, haven't they? Like, I don't know about you, but uh, that could have turned me off it. Also, when we're talking blue spots or veins, I personally prefer calling them blue spots. Like, I just don't think it's necessary to ever use the word veins when speaking of food. Now, I'm going to need you all to be mature, um, pun intended, about the smell of blue cheese. I'm well aware that it's renowned for being quite a potent member of the cheese family. Now, when I googled fun facts about blue cheese, one of the first things to come up said, sometimes the smell of blue cheese is like the smell of stinky feet. Brutal, we get it. Blue cheese is stinky. I'm also aware that a bit of gorgonzola with a spot of quince paste on a cracker is the only thing better than the pub reopening after months of not being allowed to. Now, most blue cheese is made from cow's milk, although some is made from ewes, as in female sheep, not as in Australians pluralising the word ewe, and it can also be made from goats. Something that I believe is a truly wonderful facet of blue cheese is that it's so polarising that if you're a blue cheese lover, you can guarantee that you'll be doing the heavy lifting on the cheese board at the party. Now, before I quickly reveal which cheese is definitely the best one, bearing in mind I'd already whittled down the options to these three superior cheeses, Let's quickly summarise what they're all good for. Halloumi is a wonderful addition at any barbecue or event. It's delicious in salads, burgers, wraps and quiches. It's versatile, salty, delicious and it's guaranteed to make you the life of the party. Camembert is great for picnics, cheese platters and dates. It's hassle-free to transport and prepare and it's incredibly delicious by itself or on a cracker. It's also a welcome addition to sandwiches and wraps. Blue cheese's strength lies in the fact no one wants any so you get it all to yourself. It's an absolute ripper on a pizza, in a pasta or on a cheese board and it can smell like stinky feet which is ideal if someone comes over to your house and thinks you have stinky feet. Easy solution, just tell them you've got some blue cheese. 
Now, after carefully assessing the virtues of these top three cheeses, I can tell you with great authority that the winner is in fact... Halloumi cheese. Woo! Yeah! Congratulations, Halloumi. Well done. You're the crowned winner. What a beauty of a cheese. Please remember that this is a podcast of objective facts, so no further correspondence will be entered into. Congratulations to Halloumi Cheese for making life a whole heap better for everyone you come into contact with. We love you, Halloumi Cheese. Now, as I mentioned before, you cannot discuss the best of something without a quick mention of the worst. To that end, I need to warn you about cumin cheese. Cumin cheese is the starring centerpiece on Satan's cheese board. It's the end product of mixing one of life's greatest pleasures with the shittest seed on the planet. I cannot stress enough that you need to steer clear of cumin cheese. Do not introduce it to a cheese board at any stage in the future. It's absolutely horrific. If you've not had it, it's usually made with a perfectly delicious Gouda cheese and then absolutely destroyed by the addition of cumin seeds. When I'm Prime Minister, I'll ban cumin seeds. For now, I just want to warn the masses that cumin cheese is the worst thing you'll ever put in your mouth. I hope. That concludes the end of the best podcast episode one thank you so much for coming on the journey with me i'd like to give a huge congratulations once again to the triceratops for being the best dinosaur and to halloumi for being the best cheese thank you so much i'll see you uh, at next week's episode (laughs) 